Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is Computer Talk with Tab, hosted by Eric Semmel of Tab Computer Systems. Interact by phone at 522-WTIC or 1-800-966-WTIC. You can email them in the studio at gethelpattabinc.com or get help anytime at computertalkwithtab.com. Now, here's Eric. And good morning. This is Computer Talk with Tab. I'm Eric. And I'm Bob. And Bob is Bob Shuri. He's one of the MCSEs that comes in here and works with me on Saturday mornings to help you out with your computer problems, comments, questions, and concerns. The lines are already starting to fill up this morning, so it must be just just cloudy enough out there for you folks to give us a ring, 800-966-WTIC, 522-WTIC. But first, we do want to get to some technology news, and there's some big stuff going on, um, especially with the new administration and H-1B visa reform. Um, this is something that really, really needs to happen. Uh, H-1B visas are being abused um, big time, where folks are coming in um, and displacing American jobs, IT workers, uh, jobs with uh, lower paid um, foreign workers. And uh, literally the biggest uh, thing they're having folks do is have them sit down and train their replacements as just before they're kicked out of the company that they've been working for for, in some cases, 10, 15, 20 years. Disney was the big example during the Trump administration's uh, um, campaign, and uh, they had the story of the Disney workers, and those folks actually were under a gag order to not say a word, but thankfully they did, and uh, they explained how they were having they were being replaced by H-1B visa folks coming in, um, and again, the idea here is we want the best and brightest and most skilled to come to our country. We don't want to replace folks who already are that working for Disney with folks who are not as when they are going to be paid less money and may not be the best and brightest. Uh, they are simply brought in because they're cheaper. And uh, finally, we're going to do something about that. And uh, they're going to be, it, there's still some work to be done. But right now, there's a, the, the, the percentage is about 80% of the HB, H-1B visa workers coming in here are paid below median wages. So they're just undercutting American workers. Well, a couple of things. I can't tell you how many of our clients I talk to who have children yeah. that have graduated with computer science degrees right. and can't find work. Exactly. Exactly. That's number one. Number two is <clears throat> the H-1B visa mm-hmm. uh, program. Right. It ties that immigrant, that person, to the company that, that they got it through. The outsourcing company. So... They cannot go to another company that gets another bid. They can't make entertain any other offers. They're like slaves, indentured servants, servants mm-hmm. indentured servants to the company that got the H one B visa. Right. So they're being um, abused uh, themselves, and as are they are coming in and replacing American workers. And uh, I mean, we're all for competition. That's the name of the game here, obviously. But this is not fair competition. Um, this is a big problem, and uh, the new administration is going to do something about it. And uh, it's a good thing. Uh, they have ways to go here. 
Um, but uh, they're, they're, uh, President Trump is trying to do something about this. And we'll put a link up here on this article so that those of you who are spending, you know, thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars a year to get your, your your son or daughter an IT degree won't be replaced in a few years by someone from the third world who may not have the skills that your your son or daughter has, other than they come in and work for peanuts. And that's not fair. Well, then your son or daughter might be able to train them <laughs> yes, to replace yes. them. Yeah, it just got it's just got to stop. What else do you have there, Bob? Uh, Google Home gets an edge on Alexa with multi-user support. Okay. We were talking about this a little off air, and I yeah. think it's kind of creepy. <laughs> yes. So well, you have Google Home. I have Google house. Home. It's only tied to one account. Uh-huh. But you can tie it now to up to six accounts. Oh, great. So they can look at everybody. And then you can teach your Google Home uh, who's talking to it. So, yes. for instance, uh, you know, my wife can hit set up to her account, right. and then it can be I can have it sync to my account. So then it'll recognize my voice, and so if I say, "Well, Google, hey Google, how did my day go?" Right, and then it'll tell me where I went, what I did, and what my appointments were, and right. you In know how you the traffic was. If I have any appointments outstanding, that sort of thing. <laughs> oh so and then if my lovely bride asks the same question, she'll get a different answer. Right. So or you can do that for up to six people. Now, can you say, how was your lovely bride's day? Can you, because it's cross-platform, it's six users, can you ask about other users? I don't know if it has the intelligence to know that the other account is right. my lovely bride. I gotcha. Okay. Well, I'm but, sure the NSA knows exactly who you're talking about. You know about. what? If <laughs> it knows where I went and what I did, yeah. then there's somebody else that can find out from it where I went and what I did. You <laughs> Why know? would you ask that anyways? What's the big point of that? How was your day? Do, you, do, do, do we really have nothing else to do to, to have a computer tell you what you did? Personally, <laughs> I would say no, but looking at... Facebook mm-hmm. and Twitter. Yeah, yeah, I think a lot of people don't have much to do with their lives. <laughs> That's right. Interesting. So, multi-user support, whereas Alexa is basically just whoever talks to it. It doesn't doesn't seem to care who. If if it's a three year old who wants to order, you know, a thousand dollars worth of m- merchandise, it'll let you do it. Versus <clears throat> you, it won't tell the difference. I think the two are kind of competing technologies at this yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, and you know. Well, Alexa, they want to sell you something. They're part of Amazon. Yeah. Google's not necessarily selling you anything. You're the commodity. They just want to know what what to market to you. I think that it's uh, they're, the two are really going to be playing, and other technologies, are really going to yeah. be playing leapfrog. Mm-hmm. You know, one's going to be ahead, then the other one, and the other one until they perfect it. Yeah. Well, we'll see. So. That's, that's kind of uh, interesting. What else you got there, Bob? Uh, well, for those parents that have their kids crying that they got to have a cell phone, got to mm, have a cell phone. Right. Bill Gates yeah. said, he was in an interview, that uh, my kids didn't have cell phones until they were 14. Mm. Now, his kids are age 20, 17, and 14 right now. Okay. So, you know, he's not a young guy. No. But the point is, is that he let them cry and whine, and they were telling him, oh, other people have them, you know, and this and that. But he didn't relent, so Good. I, I give him credit for that. Yeah, I know parents that can't afford the cell, fo- cell phone bills are giving you know to their kids, and their kids. Some of these kids are really little, having cell phones, and I mean it's just really expensive. And just he not doesn't to mention al- the security issues and the uh-huh. privacy issues. He doesn't allow cell phones at the dinner table either. Sure, <laughs> which I think is good. I'm trying to think so. of my dinner table if we have cell phones. The kids don't pull them out. 
but they suck their their food down so fast it doesn't matter. They're all boys. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, you know, it's five minutes at the dinner table, then we're done. Okay, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> What are the cell phone games that they play? Like, uh, <laughs> oh, they play the dumbest games on their phones. Well, the kids can find them. They have time. They, they do. They do. Anyway, so all right. Anything else you want to bring up? Yeah, Elon Musk. Yeah, he's working on consensual telepathy. Oh, that sounds like a problem. Okay. Well, he wants to develop this thing where they put little sensors in your head. Sure. What could go wrong? So that you, <laughs> you can actually think to a computer, mm. you know what I mean, and, yeah, and yeah. do things a lot faster. Right. So, you know, he's working on that. So he wants to engage in uh, consensual telepathy. And eventually you'll be able to communicate with other people. No, not that they wouldn't be able to go in and see other thoughts. Right. Who knows? So, you know what I mean? So he's going to work on this. He, let's get the car done. You know, let's make sure, you know, SpaceX is rolling. Let's well, make they've sure. lowered the prices on several models. I didn't print that. But of the Teslas? Yeah. Why do they them come down? Anywhere from two to $5,000, depending on the model. Interesting. Well, uh, there's other models they've increased the price on. Oh, okay. Up uh, between five and $10,000. Hmm. But. Uh, I think they want to try to have a range of prices based on the yeah, article that I read, so that because they're coming out next year, they're going to come out with that thirty thousand dollar model. Right. That's going to be the, you know, the most the every man's thirty thousand dollar electric car <laughs> yeah. that you can wait in line at the mall to plug into the charging station. <laughs> right. You'll be fighting over. You think it was bad during the holiday season to get that deal at Kmart. Now you're going to try to fight over the parking space. <laughs> I want the plug. <laughs> so anything else you want to bring up, Bob? Yeah. Here's an g- interesting article. I mm-hmm. thought it was interesting. Yeah. Do you remember uh, The Great Escape from The Rock, which happened in 1962? There were three prisoners that escaped from Alcatraz when it was a prison. I heard about it. Yeah, yeah. They couldn't figure out how they how they would have made it across. <clears throat> they, they were trying to figure out how they would have survived the water and the bay and everything. Yeah. 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 Um, Morris and the England brothers attempted their daring escape with some serious MacGyver skills, it says here. Okay. This is a CNET article. Yeah. Decades before those things were even a thing. Right. Okay. They crafted uh, dummy heads to fool the guards, tunneled through the walls of a prison, Mm -hmm. deemed inescapable, and then disappeared into the treacherous dark of the bay. And they were never found again, right? And they were never found. They, They don't know if they made it or were washed out to sea or whatever. Yeah. So... Some people uh, earlier this month from the University of Delft mm-hmm. went to Alcatraz and deployed a small fleet of coconuts okay. to see where the tidal currents um, in the bay might carry the tropical fruit under identical tidal conditions. Okay. Of course, the coconuts weren't using prison-made paddles, which is what they did yeah. in 1962. But they just wanted to use a lovely bunch of coconuts to figure yeah. out where they might float to. They were equipped with technologies that had yet to be invented in 1962, right. GPS and 3D data connection to track their every move, bob, and drift. Okay. So the three escapees, well, this was done on that show, um, um, what was the one? They've kind of done away with it, hmm. where they do... Uh, Find out if, if what they have on TV is actually possible. Mm, I don't know. Uh, That's okay. But the, so that the coconuts kind of give them a clue as to where they might have floated to. Well, if it was done at about eleven thirty at night, mm-hmm. the tide would have been such that it could have taken them to one of the sides of the Brooklyn Bridge, uh, San Francisco, the Bay Bridge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it wouldn't have been the Brooklyn no, Bridge. No. You know, well, we but, know what you meant. <clears throat> anyway. Yeah. 
And if it was uh, not during this window, around 11.30 p.m., yeah. then it would have probably taken them out to sea. Gotcha. So, so they're probably they're probably shark bait, depending so on when they went. They released a bunch of coconuts at three different times. <laughs> where's, Hel- where's Henry Belafonte when you need Well, it? it was a lovely bunch of coconuts. Oh, that was bananas. Sorry. <laughs> Is it bananas? Yeah. Yeah. yeah all right. We're not counting coconut bananas. So, counting coconuts. Yeah, but you know, you got to realize they had three lovely bunches of coconuts. Yes. Anyway. <laughs> All right. It's an interesting article. I guess. You know, and it's really really worth... Uh, this is like university oh, studies. Oh, it was stuff. Mythbusters. Oh, those they guys. They came up with the same conclusion that Mythbusters came up with. Well, isn't that special? So they did the... Uh, this is a university. This is done by the folks at a university. Yeah, these were uh, highly trained <laughs> university researchers. Oh, yes. That's they the were way probably to paid by the U.S. government. <laughs> right. All right. Well, I'm glad we need. We found that out, that the tide might have killed them, or they might have just maybe made it. Who knows? We're going to step out for a quick break. we got two lines open for you. 800-966-WTIC, 522-WTIC. This is Computer Talk. We'll be right back. And we are back. This is Computer Talk with Tab. We're going to be here till 11 o'clock. Feel free to get online, 800-966-WTIC, 522-WTIC. And we'll do our best to help you out with your computer problems, questions, and concerns. Let's go on to Steve first and Vernon, who was on before the show started. Hey, Steve, what's going on? Good morning. Uh, When I try to do a Windows 10 update, I get an error message, 0x800805. I tried looking that up, and... I just get more confused than than it helps. So I was hoping, helping, hoping that you could uh, give me some insight. All right, let's take a look at it here. Um, yeah, that is typically just an error that Microsoft will, will spew, and thankfully I was able to capture it while you were saying it. Um, this is only in Windows 10, you're saying? Well, that's what happens to me, yes. Okay. But there are a lot of other things. When I look that up, it, it seems to go to a lot of other problems that people have. Probably generic error then, of course. Yeah. Um, this is a fail, some sort of failed update that you're having, Steve? That's correct. All right. Now, there's some more information. I don't know if you even know if it's related, but when I start the computer up, it's the first thing it says is preparing to repair. It goes into diagnosing, and then it gives me a choice of, it says uh, didn't start properly, gives me a choice of restart or investigating further. I pick restart and everything's okay after that. So it does try to repair something. So you must have a crash that occurred on your Windows operating system, right, Bob? More than likely, yeah. Yeah. So you so you may have something that is related, and I'm glad you brought that up because the update may not be able to occur because you have some sort of corruption happening with your operating system. Okay. And that's happening every time you boot up, it wants to repair? It is now, yes. Yeah, so there's something going on here. My my first advice, and I'm sure Bob would concur, is that you want to do uh, go into recovery mode and go back to a time before this started to happen with you on the boot up. Maybe try to go to a previous time, uh, maybe a few weeks ago, a few months ago. How long has this been happening, Steve? Oh, I'd say something like a couple of weeks. Okay. Well, maybe you can get back to it. Maybe you can't. <clears throat> right. But I would go into system uh, system restore if, first. Uh, I don't apparently have any restore points. Oh. Yeah, that, see, that's one of the things. I don't know whether it's Microsoft turning them off. I've noticed a lot of them have been turned off lately. Really? And that's not good. So I kind of encourage people to go into System Restore, first of all, and turn it on. And then... Well, I used to have them. So, so what do you mean? Some, they got turned off somehow? Yeah, I'm not sure if it's Microsoft doing it or some sort of malware that's doing it. I know that malware used to turn off... Uh, 
system restore so yeah, that you I've couldn't go back. Scan but, with malware, and I, I don't find anything. Well, <clears throat> that's irrelevant. I mean, if you had it and it turned it off and then you got rid of it, it right. would have still well, been off. I didn't get rid of anything. I didn't find anything. Right. So, but my point is, is that, like I said, I don't know if Microsoft is turning it off through an update or if uh, malware is turning it off in, in many cases. I'm trying to be a little generic. Right. But the point being is that I encourage people to check, turn it on in the first place. And the second thing is sometimes it will only allocate 1% or 2% or 4% of disk space. And I encourage people to go all the way up to 10% on the amount of disk space that it'll use for restore points. And the reason being is the more uh, disk space that you allocate for a system restore, the more restore points that you will get that you'll be able to restore back to. Right. Now, in your case, Steve, so you still have corruption. Um, you may have to go into safe mode and see if you can come up into safe mode and just reboot the machine that way, um, clear it down. You want to get out of that error state that you... Well, I, I, did, I did get into safe mode. You did? Okay. Um, nothing happened. Sometimes just going in and coming out of safe yeah. mode can correct things. But So you're still having this boot up issue with some sort of failed or, corru or corrupted operating system. It tells you to either repair it, right? Does it get, offer you a way to repair it or is it just yeah, like... It's, well, it says uh, give me a choice of restart or uh, I forget okay. the words, but it essentially it says investigating it further. Yeah, I think what I would do is uh, when you're in safe mode is open a command prompt yeah. and run um, uh, check disk. Okay. Chkdsk space forward slash r, so it'll repair if it finds any corruption on the disk. How about any system file checker? And then after that, I would run uh, system file checker, which is sfc space forward slash scan now. And it'll check all the files, uh, system operating system files, to make sure that they're all there and in the correct version. Okay. Now you said do this in safe mode. Yes. And then in the um, command prompt. Yeah. So we're thinking you can't do an update until you correct this issue. Oh, that's apparently so. Yeah. Yeah. That's where we would have you start first. Now, if you still can't find, and before you run any of these tools. Make sure your data is protected and backed up. Well, it's backed up. All right, good. That's half the battle because you never know if some of these tools are going to damage something uh, while they run. So always do a quick backup before you run them. Okay, Steve? Okay. But that's where you got to start first. Get rid of that error from booting up, and then maybe the update will occur for you. Well, give it a try. All right, sir. Well, I have uh, one quick comment. When I went into safe mode, I went into safe mode with networking. Yep. But there was no networking. So I don't know what that meant. Well, your network card may not have had the driver or the proper driver loaded when you went into it but i couldn't explain why that is unless again it goes back to your operating system having some trouble okay if that makes sense <laughs> all right steve yes okay thank you you got it right. we're gonna be here till 11 o'clock feel free to get online two lines open 800-966-WTIC 522-WTIC this is computer talk we'll be right back and we are back this is Computer Talk with Tab. All the lines are jammed up. Must be just rainy enough. Just rainy enough <laughs> for you to talk about your computer problems. Let's go to your calls. We're going to go to Stefan in New Britain first. Hey, Stefan, how are you? Good morning, gentlemen. I'm okay. Good. I have two quick questions for you. All right. Uh, I want to use my Dinosaur Dell uh, at the library in various spots 
so I can utilize their Wi-Fi. Okay. Uh, I need to get some sort of virus protection because I will no longer be under the Frontier system. So I need, like, virus protection to go. Yeah, so uh, what operating system is your Dinosaur Dell running? Oh, God, this is embarrassing. XP3. Uh, XP. Okay, Windows XP. That's pretty old. Uh, so you got to find antivirus that will support XP still. And that's getting harder and harder to do. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of, uh, I think possibly the free AVG that might be out there still supports XP. Free AVG? Yeah, AVG. I think it does. Don't hold me to this stuff on because we haven't, you know, we haven't, uh, you know, recommended antivirus for XP for quite some time. But I think AVG does. Maybe Avast. Go ahead, Bob. Avast, I was going to say. Maybe Avast. Avasti Mates, you know, it's a it's a pirate antivirus software. How, how you spell that? Avast, A V A S T. Oh. We'll have a links at computertalkwithtab.com. Actually, if you follow us on Facebook right now, our Computer Talk Live links is still not operating, but uh, on Facebook we'll have all these links for you. Um, and uh, okay, second question. Yeah. Really? Now, what's the deal with using my smartphone as a hotspot? It's just a matter of how many. Um, gigs your internet provider there your your i have like four gigs yeah so be careful if you bring down anything with a lot of graphics or pictures you'll go through that in seconds no i have a a monitor on my phone and i check it like every day yeah so you just the the deal is that you can just make it its own hotspot and you can be portable and connect up anywhere you want oh okay you wouldn't even need you wouldn't need to go to the library for that yeah not a bad idea. Right. Okay. Thank you very much, gentlemen. You got it, Stefan. Very helpful. Our pleasure. Bye bye. Um, the other issue with XP, guys, is that you're not getting updates, security updates. Um, so, antivirus is fine, but the point is you're completely vulnerable, completely vulnerable to anything that Microsoft left unpatched. So, think about that. XP hasn't been patched in like three years. It's um, still the number three desktop operating system. Right. I think it's basically in a couple places. It's on places like Stefan's computers and on our nuclear submarines. Other than that, it's not running anywhere. Sometimes our ATM machines. Um, but uh, it's it's definitely a vulnerable operating system. You should not be doing anything important on it. You shouldn't do anything that you're worried about security on it because the bad guys who are sitting in, you know, in some uh, internet cafe in, uh, on the other side of the planet are trying to take advantage of the vulnerabilities that everyone knows about and will not be patched because Microsoft told you its operating system has been dead for three-plus years. Well, it's it's been dropping because uh, it's down to like 7.44% of the desktop operating systems out there, right. which I think a couple of weeks ago it was like 14% still. I don't remember, but it's still a, plenty of people are using it, and it's really has to go. Guys, it has to go. Let's go on to Jack in Manchester next. Hey, Jack. Hi, good morning, guys. Morning. Uh, I'm running Windows 7. All right. Uh, and about two weeks ago, everything just went down to a crawl. It literally takes minutes to go from one item to another. I did a full scan with mal- malware bytes, mm-hmm. came up with nothing. Mm-hmm. did a full scan with uh, security essentials, came up with nothing. Okay. When I boot up, I get a notice that says, process performance counter disabled. I have no idea what that is. Hmm. And then I also, in the corner, I'm looking at it right now, Malwarebytes uh, comes up and says, uh, 
real-time protection layers turned off, which I don't, I never turned off. And it's like, you know, this happens every time I, I boot up, I have to turn it back on again. So you have a semantic antivirus, Norton? No. You don't? No. All I have is malware bytes and security essentials. Interesting. Semantic has a very large explanation of this um, error. It has to do with Windows Server, though, not a Windows operating system. I would uh, suggest what kind of a computer do you have? Dell. Dell. Um, I think I would reboot and go into um, Dell Diagnostics and run a uh, check on your hard drive. Dell Diagnostics. Yeah. It would be uh, an option before it goes into the, uh, um, I think you got to hit on F10 or something like that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you'll get into, there's a, you can select the diagnostics. Okay. And I would do a diagnostic on your hard drive. You can actually do a diagnostic on all the hardware components. And uh, I've seen what you're talking about many times. That it's the, when the hard drive is getting ready to fail. Maybe. And you, you you could do a scan and it won't find anything, but the hard drive is getting ready to fail and starts to slow down. Uh, so hang on, though. On this... Now, and, 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 he, good. and he could be right. <laughs> but reading more about this performance counter, it has to do with logging, logging the performance of your system. Um, and most most of the time, you don't really care to have that logged. Um, anyways, you're not doing diagnostics where you need to have this thing constantly running. No. I'm wondering why that error is showing up. Uh, it pops up every time I, I, I uh, boot up. Yeah, it's it's not. There's nothing that I'm reading that talks about it being critical. It just says, you know, if you want to turn it back on, go ahead and turn it back on. Well, that may not be affecting it at all. It may not be. Yeah. I mean, it could be completely unrelated to your your. But the problem is, the word performance is here, and you're saying my machine is running really slow, poor for poor really performance, slow, yeah. and the performance counter isn't running either. <laughs> yeah. So it does seem to have some weird connection. But why? Uh, I would agree with Bob that when you start seeing real physical performance issues you know where the machine is just really slow you've done all the anti-malware testing yep. so you're fairly certain you're clean then it is a physical problem and looking at it diagnostically makes sense do you have do you have a ram issue or a hard drive issue how how old is the machine jack it's probably five years old okay so it's getting you know near its useful life at five to six years you know six years is what you're hoping to get out of a computer right. um so if you run the if you run the diagnostics and it shows like Bob's thinking that it's a failed hard drive or a failing drive, then you know most likely that's where your problem could lie. Could be a heat issue too. You could you could be overheating and that'll really slow your system down. Your your heat sink on top of your processor might be all gummed up with dust, you know, um, yeah. and that can provor- produce a slower machine because it's running too hot. But um, I'm trying to figure out why that is disabled. Um, I do have some links here for you that you can try on the, on the performance counter as far as enabling it or disabling it, but I don't think it's related other than the fact that it has the word performance in it. Okay. Um, but we can ha- put that link up there for you. But I'll run the diagnostic, like Bob said, and see if you find any errors. If you don't find any errors, that's even weirder. Um, have you run any kind of defragmentation on your hard drive lately? No, I, I did uh, get rid of all the cookies and, uh, and cleared the cache. Well, cookies and cache are just having to do with your browser. Yeah. So are you saying your performance is only when you're surfing? No. 
Okay. No, no. It's with everything. It's all the time. So if you have never run a defragmentation or a defrag, as, as it's known, uh, on your hard drive, you may want to consider that. Have you, do you know what that is? I know what it is, but I don't know how to get to it. Uh, okay. Um, want to give him a quick uh, way to get to it, Bob, through Windows 7? Defrag? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I would just go to the Start button and yep. uh, in the little search window. Mm-hmm. Type in uh, Defragger or Windows oh, type Defragger. Type in Defrag, yeah. Yep. And it should bring you up to where you can get to that utility. Yep. Your drive diagnostics. Okay. And see if you can run that. Basically, it's going to put all the data in a more uniform fashion and might improve your performance. Those are just a few things you can try. Yep. If the diagnostic comes back healthy. If it doesn't come back healthy and tells you where the problem is, then you then you know what to do. I'm off to Best Buy. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Help the NASDAQ buy a computer. Okay. All right. Hey, thanks, guys. Thanks, Jack. Bye. Bye-bye. Um, yeah, I was talking my wife and her cell phone. I don't know if your wife is this way, Bob, but my wife's the worst technology user on the planet, the worst, when it comes to devices like cell phones. And uh, it was, you know, hers was just bogging down, running slow. And uh, I'm like, why don't you clear out all those text messages? Tens of thousands of them on her phone. Once she deleted them all, it's working. <laughs> Phone's working again. She likes her phone again. Again, you got to clear some of this stuff out. You got to defrag occasionally. You got to reorganize this this system so that it is not all uh, segmented. So, and we're going to link some defrag instructions on on, on our computer talk with Tab. Again, the the website page that live links area is not quite functioning as we'd like to. We modified our our uh, website recently, and we're having some issues with computer talk live links. But everything uh, will still be available on our Facebook page. If you like Tab Computer Systems on Facebook, you'll get the same links to your news feed. And of course, if you follow us on Twitter, um, it's there as well. Let's move on. Uh, Matt's going to want me to take a break. Let me take a quick break, Ken and Richard. Hang on. Two lines open for you guys. 800-966-WTIC, 522-WTIC. We'll be right back. And we are back. This is Computer Talk. And the one time my wife is listening to the show is right now. So I'm getting hammered with texts from her. (laughs) Not appreciating my my comment about the reason her cell phone was so uh, bogged down. But it's true. I mean, uh, you know, you, you really need to know how to use the tool. <laughs> so you got you know, you can't just stuff it with, you know, a million years worth of text and expect it to keep working perfectly. Uh, right, honey? <laughs> oh, well, it's going to be a cold day today for me. Um, <laughs> but it's really the case with anything. You want to maintain it. You want to try to, you know, take care of... Uh, Anything ancillary, if you can. Let's go on to your calls. We're going to go to Ken in uh, Avon next. Hey, Ken, you know any good marriage counselors? <laughs> do, I know any, do I know any what? Good marriage counselors? <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been married 31, so I don't know. I guess so far, so good. Yeah, maybe I can just talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> so what's going on? Well, I'm, I'm the big... I'm, as your wife is to her cell phone, I am to computers. So, I see. Okay. Yeah, bear bear with me. All right. I, I've got an old Dell, um, and uh, I have Windows Seven. Yep. And about a month ago, in my emails, uh, I can't get, and that's Explorer. I can't not send or receive my emails. And that's in Explorer. So you're on a browser-based email system. Okay. 
Okay. Right, you're bringing up the little blue E with a little halo over it, right? You're going to go into right. you're going to a browser and you yep. can and then you're bringing up some sort of webmail. Is it through Hotmail, Yahoo Mail, Gmail? What mail are you using, do you know? I don't know. Well, that's going to be harder. Okay, you are you're worse than my wife. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're saying you're I equal. You, I'm not I'm the poster child for ineptability. All right. So the, what's happening here is your mailbox, your account, is having a problem. You can't send or receive. Right. And when you send and receive mail, you have to actually have credentials. Those are your, your username and password on the mail server that you're using to allow them to send and receive mail for you. And the first, your first step is to know who your provider is. Yahoo, Google, your internet provider. We don't. Where does that mailbox reside? Because your your mailbox has been turned off, or has reached a limit, or has been compromised, um, where a password has now been changed to the point where the password you were using is now invalid. Yeah, it keeps asking me for a password. I put it in, and yeah. it keeps asking me for a password. Yeah. So basically, the password has changed. Now, what makes me nervous about that for you, Ken, is that a bad guy could have tried and gotten into your account and changed the password and is impersonating you. Oh. Yeah, it's a possibility. One of the many possibilities could simply be that your mail provider has disabled your account for some other reason. Um, Maybe because you didn't know who they were and you weren't paying the bill anymore. Um, I have no idea. (laughs) That I know how to do. All right, good, good, good. Uh, thankfully, my wife does too. Our electricity we turned off. Uh, if I if I had to do it, so um, let's go ahead and, and we have to figure out where your mail is. So uh, when you send mail, are you at something? Where are you at? Are you Ken at Yahoo? Ken at Gmail? What are you at? SBC Global. Oh my goodness! All right. So you're most likely a Yahoo account. SBC Global hasn't existed for probably 15 years or more, right? <laughs> so you're probably a Yahoo account. Now, where do you get your internet, Ken? Um, at home. What, where do you send the check? <laughs> is it is it AT and T? AT and T. AT and T. Okay. So I would start with them. I would start with calling their support because you you can't correct this uh, without a little help from the people who are probably providing your email box, which is mo- most likely your internet provider through Yahoo in some way because it's SBC Global is through a Yahoo, I'm pretty sure, service. That's probably through your your internet. Yeah. So you're going to have to contact them and say, hey, I'm Ken from Avon, and uh, here's my account for my my internet service. I think my email box is there and have them work you through resetting that box. They should be able to reset it on their end. Uh, They may ask you security questions, you know, that you would have set up many years ago, and um, hopefully you remember those. And, yep, I got those. All right. So I got a feeling that's what you got to do, Ken, is, is change that password on that um, SBC Global account. May I ask you one other question? Yeah. And first of all, thank you for that. Okay. That's some place to go. Yeah. Um, I have an iPhone, and an i4. Yeah. And um, I cannot, when I send a command to print to my printer. From the 4? It, yeah. Okay. I, it says uh, cannot find air printer or something like that. Right. Has that ever worked? Uh, yeah. It, it did, worked. huh? 
Yeah, it works intermittently. Uh, you know, at the at the bottom of your the page on on the bottom right, it has those bars. Mm-hmm. When I click on that, I have a choice of uh, Comcast, or I have a choice of uh, uh, printer, uh, or something something else. When I click on one of those, oftentimes it will start, but then I can't print from my computer. When you click on one of those on your iPhone, you then break the ability to connect from your printer, your computer? No, no in the computer, I'm, I mean. Oh, I thought you were on your iPhone. I Yes, okay, I'm sorry. When <laughs> uh, You're one of those guys, I see. <laughs> now you're, you're messing with tech support over here. Like I said, I don't know anything about this. Stuff. That's okay. So wireless printing is a highly uh, advanced skill. <laughs> when <you're> <laughs> printing from your phone, it's because you need to have a, a smart enough printer to be on the network designed to accept wireless printing. Clearly, you must have that because you're trying to print from your iPhone, right? Yes, and I do have that. Yeah, occasionally. Occasionally. <laughs> and, but what I'm saying is on the computer face, not on my phone. Yep. If I change uh, the connecting thing, uh, those bars down in the lower right, and go in and I hit printer or Comcast or something like that, yeah. and hit connect, then I can go back to my telephone, and then it will print. Well, that doesn't but make any sense at all. Until I change that back, make a different choice on the computer, I cannot print from the computer to the printer. Well, it shouldn't be. They should be completely mutual, unless. So, is the printer connected to your? Is the printer connected to your computer physically with a USB cable, or yeah. is or is it on the network in a wireless way or a um, network way? So, is no, it? I, you, have, you, I have the cable. It's a USB cable. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess that can make some sense. You're telling the computer, "Hey, my printer's over here. Now I'm connected. Now that printer is shared." And somehow you're going through the same network to share the printer through your PC through the USB cable. Really convoluted. Um, and, that's, it's, and that's why it's probably not working well for you because sometimes your computer is on and sometimes it's not, right? Exactly. So what you want to do to make this work, again, this is a highly technical, evolved skill here. <laughs> it really is. I'm, I'm kind of half joking. You want to buy a printer <clears throat> that can be all by itself. It can operate without the need of a, of a PC. So you want it to be connected physically to the network with a, with a physical cable or on your Wi-Fi. And then load the wireless drivers to support wireless printing on your phone, independent of a computer. Because uh. you have a lot of factors in your life in, from point A to point B to make this printer work through your phone. Or... You could have left it at just, I have a lot of facts. <laughs> yeah. Like. What you want to do is, or just put the phone down, and anything you want to print, go sit down at the computer. It's probably just a few steps away, right? That's right. So I would contend, in this case, because running out and buying a printer is probably not high on your agenda, I would no. recommend not trying to make this work, because it's going to be always funky for you, because you've got to make sure the printer's on, you've got to make sure the computer's on, you've got to make sure it's shared properly, then you've got to make sure the phone can see your computer and that driver, and I wouldn't bother with it all. So just um, deal with it. But just put the phone down and print what you want to print off the computer. Sounds like a winner. All right, Ken. Hey, I thank you guys. Thanks for your time, and I thank your listeners for their patience. Oh, I'm sure they learned a lot about you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
I'm moving. <laughs> All right, Ken. I'll be right behind you. All right, bye-bye. All right, bye-bye. Um, it's, it's one of those things. Wireless printing is is difficult you know, through your phone. I don't even, I can't stand it. I mean, I got a pretty large screen on my phone and I don't even want to bother with it. Do you use it much, Bob? I don't personally, know. No. Yeah. But uh, Ken's trying to do something pretty cool. We're going to step out for a quick break here. We're going to get back to your calls. We're going to go to Rich in Naugatuck. Dan, Danny, our resident group, he's in the line, and Richard in West Hartford. So stick around, guys. Uh, everything's been posted live from Mike G. Yes, our Computer Talk with Tab site is not quite live right now, um, but it will be, we promise, uh, this week. And uh, we'll have all the past links up. But if you follow us on Facebook at uh, Tab Computer Systems, it's all there. And, of course, you can follow us on Twitter as well. We'll be right back. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal. So why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. 